We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you late Friday night, uh, January 14th, following the thrashing by the Dallas Mavericks of the Memphis Grizzlies on the road, 112 to 85. Josh, what's happening? Nothing much. That was pretty fun, wasn't it? I mean, what do you do about the fact <laughs> that. All right, we're going to talk about the defense because the defense fucking ruled. But what do you do with the fact that for two thirds of an NBA game, it's like, God, Luca, what are you doing? Luca, what are you doing? Me, me, me. And I did it too. I did it too. He had six turnovers in the first half. He looked like shit. He shot 0 for 6 from three. He also finished with 27 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. And he went 12 of 22 from the field, which, if any of you can do math, means he went 12 of 16 from two point range. Good Lord. Yeah, he was 8 of 10 from the field in the second half. Um, <laughs> it was perfect from the field in the second half uh, on twos. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen Luka look like that, despite mm. the fact that the Mavericks have been winning uh, a lot of games in the last two weeks. So that was like the one thing, right? Like the Mavericks had this winning streak, but it felt a little – there was just – everything was fine except that little slight uneasiness that Luka – was shooting 37% from the floor in January. And you're just kind of like, wait a minute, how are the Mavericks winning six games? Like, you know, it just, something wasn't adding up. So Mavericks winning by 27 and Luca having a 27 point triple double and putting on a show in the second half. It, it feels like the universe is now stabilized a bit. Uh, <laughs> just, I, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I just, one of my favorite follows, at Sultan or at Scammer Sultan just tweeted when Luca stops looking like a Best Buy employee. <laughs> just like, <laughs> come on. Like, that was, that's just one of those things on a nationally televised game because the Mavericks were literally one of nine on uh, uh, TNT, ESPN, and ABC games through the season. 
And them playing like that after Stephen A. Smith and those yokels who do the ESPN pregame, which is one of the worst pregame shows I've ever seen. And I've been watching it more recently just because I've been catching earlier NBA games. Oh, it's so I, bad. It's it's not only like like it's one thing to have like strong takes, but it's like really uninformed takes where Jalen Rose said, oh, Tim Hardaway is really important to their success. And it's like, that's not true. Anyways. But doing that after the entire panel would basically take Luca, I'm sorry, Ja over Luca, and then Luca just detonated. I mean, I don't really care that the Grizzlies had played eight and twelve <laughs> nights. That's life in the NBA, folks. Yeah, this I mean, was they an had awesome win. win. Yeah, it's it's a great win. It would have it would have been a real bummer loss because of those reasons. But I mm-hmm. mean, they took care of business. Um, it was good to see Luca show a pulse in the second half because I mean, he really did look uh horrible in the first half. Uh, and he was really continuing the trend we saw from the last couple games. And then, man, he made like a little mid range fall away jumper in the third quarter, and it was like, okay, and like it, like it's like he just needed to see one bucket fall, it felt like, and he just kind of clicked back into into god mode, Luca. So, uh, well, the shots he was taking. The bank shot in yeah. the second half, like it's just like a skill level thing where, and I can't even think of like Kyrie Irving does this sometimes where he just looks like a mess for games on end, like like he's bored with basketball, and then he's like, "Oh yes, I am unbelievably good," and that's what Luca did. And I, it's it's you know before this game if you were to have told someone that he was averaging 25 8 and 9 you'd be thinking why are Mavs fans pissed and he just i don't really know how to it's not going to make sense down the line because i had a couple of people ah you know he had, there's covid there's all like of course there's always excuses but this is game 42 and so this is probably his i would need to check the box score but this feels like at least the best game since november Maybe, uh, best game since early. De- he had a good game. Funny enough, his last good game was against the Grizzlies on December eighth. Yes. He had twenty six points on nineteen shots. Uh, that went on the road, and I think that mm-hmm. was when we were like, okay, they're they're kind of stabilizing, and then they lost that Indiana game really poorly, and then he went on the shelf. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it might as well. I mean, it might as well. Be, I mean, December eighth, it, it, it's close enough to November. So yeah, it's been. It's been a long time. It's been over a month since we've seen a good Luka game. So it was a sight for sore eyes, that's for sure. Yeah. And I don't know. It was it was just fun. I think we'll probably – they play against the Magic tomorrow night and Jamal Mosley, and I expect Luka to go ham again. So we'll probably talk about it again yeah. tomorrow night. But Well, we got to say – we got to say, though, that how hilarious is it? Like, he knew uh, that the last play he had before he got pulled was the behind-the-back – assisted Dwight Powell that got him his triple double on the end one so kudos to Powell for finishing a shot yeah it was just it was so funny because he was kind of assist hunting a little bit right before he left uh and then he got that assist to Powell and then he like immediately kind of walked off the court and was like okay I got you know my job here is done just goes and sits yeah you know he sits on his porch in a grateful universe thanks him yes exactly that's what it was (laughs) That's exactly what it was. Hey, and pal, you said uh, good for him finishing six to six from the floor, thirteen points. Uh, another solid game for him. So, uh, felt like everyone had a solid game, right? Yes, 
Uh, I don't know who had a bad game. I mean, Maxi and, and Tim, Timmy. Timmy did, once again is just. <laughs> ugh. I mean, but he still he at least scored some points. Five uh, of fourteen. Yeah, I know he was pretty. That was pretty <laughs> bad. Um, but man, it felt like just about everyone else had had a really nice game. Um, Doran Finney Smith had some really good fast break buckets. Powell keeps finishing. Brunson just keeps being steady uh, in the starting lineup, which is really nice that the Mavericks are committed to this Brunson Luca starting lineup i don't know if we talk about that enough that the that they've kind of stuck with that for the first time i mean those guys got drafted together and this is the first extended run they've gotten as starters together um so it's been cool to see that experiment pay off and that luca uh, brunson's efficiency has stayed well like you know nothing is like he's still brunson uh, which is really nice like nothing's being nothing's really off with him playing next to luca like they're well, showing that they can kind of coexist a little bit. And I started like screaming mid game. It was in the first half where Luca was a role man. Luca, mm-hmm. it, it didn't work. They didn't score, but <laughs> it, Luca's the role man. You could just see the Grizzlies go, oh no. <laughs> because he, what, what, it was a high screening role and he basically floated about a foot above the free throw line, the nail, and he caught the ball and then he passed it to Pal Pal Miss. But it was like, like that's the sort of like mismatch opportunity that I, I I hope they're able to show him on film and be like, do you see how cool this was? Do you see how easy it was? Because like setting a screen is not setting a screen is such a dance between a ball handler and the screen and and the actual screener where it takes practice. And part of why like a lot of Mavs fans understandably are frustrated by Powell, but Powell is like really good with that timing most of the time. And it's it's sort of an underrated like screen setting is an underrated NBA skill. And what happened tonight, and I know we're we're probably talking about Luca too much, but it's just incredible to watch. They started sending two and a half guys at Luca, and and so and they were just screening all sorts of different ways. Like Reggie Bullock was a role man at one point. Like it was there was mm-hmm. some wild stuff happening, and I just I really enjoyed it. the The only way to beat Luca is to send that many people at him. That's how it happens. And so it's up to the teammates to figure something else out, which is why I was glad they stopped letting Powell be the role man later, because asking him to make the decision on like a three on, a, you know, a four on three, I just, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know. It's not, it's not the, the sort of thing I, I want him to have to do. I don't know. I'm getting into the weeds because this was just, it was really like a fun game where the Mavericks just kept solving the Grizzlies. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was pretty clear of the from the opening tip that Memphis did not care about uh, Luca passing it to like an open role man. Like they were, they were very much prepared to stop Luca from getting anything easy, doubling, like you said, and it worked in the first half because Luca kind of played into it. Um, and I think Memphis was like, okay, Dwight Powell can can dunk for two points every now and then uh, we don't really care as long as like Luca doesn't get going and we don't let the shooters get clean looks. They're basically staying home doubling Luca and just kind of letting pal catch cleanly and finish. And it kind of made sense. I mean, the Mavericks shot 25% from three and Luca in the first half had a terrible game. And then the second half, Luca was just kind of like, all right, uh, enough of this and, and was able to, uh maneuver himself to get get some one-on-one situations where he was able to take advantage and score and and then the Mavericks did the really smart thing like you said not having other people screen for him other than Pal I think they did a really good job of making sure that whoever was guarding uh John Morant would occasionally screen for Luca and get Morant guarding a pick and roll which is something the Grizzlies obviously did not want him doing tonight on the third game in four nights and I think that that made an impact. I mean, Morant had 19 points on 15 shots, but 
Uh, he didn't look like, you know, I mean, he's been a killer for like three mm-hmm. weeks now. So he only got to the free throw line three times. He had eight turnovers. Like, I think the Mavericks uh, defensively did a great job on him. And I think part of that is how they kind of made sure he didn't uh, rest easy on offense because it was clear that's what they wanted to do. I mean, he started mm-hmm. the game on Dorian and they probably figured, okay, well, he's just going to stand in the corner guarding Dorian the whole game. He can save his legs for offense. And then the Mavericks started screening with Dorian and, and getting Morant moving around on the defensive end, which was – that was really cool to see. And especially uh, as we've watched this Mavericks team in the first half, you know, a lot of times in the first half of the season where we've wondered if they've had – if they actually have a coach on the sidelines uh, doing things and making calls and making adjustments. Because uh, as much as I appreciate Jason Kidd's new defensive philosophy, I mean, we've watched – how many games have we watched the Mavericks have lost where we just kind of see Kidd just kind of standing, holding his arms, and like, like yeah, like, I'm reluctant to, I'm reluctant to dip into the kid versus Sweeney conversation because I think it's rife <laughs> with landmines. But suffice it to say, I have enjoyed this. Is is all I will say. Yeah. Um, I I think it's it's also really fun that they did this after again the whole world was touting Jaws the guy defensively too. Where it's oh, he's a great defender, great defender, and he is. But he's still six foot two and about 175 pounds. Like Luca's just so big. And and the things they were doing, like I oh God, I just I loved it. I, I do think we should pivot to the defense. And the defense obviously was what kept them in it in the first half because yes, Memphis scored 55 points, but Dallas kept Memphis in front of them in a way where and I I posted it in the recap. Steve Jones Jr. explains it a lot better than I could, but basically their, their base defense is, is playing at such an effectively tight level right now where they're keeping, they're keeping guys in front of them and they're not getting beat on bad defensive plays. Like when guys make shots that happens, it's the NBA, but tonight because the Memphis Grizzlies were tired they were able to take advantage of that fact and Memphis just missed a lot of shots. Like they weren't, you know, it's not like, like Dallas was giving up easy shots by any stretch. It's not what I mean, but you know, sometimes that's all you can do is play like sound defense. And the, the Maverick scheme right now is like appropriately aggressive, I think is, is the way I would phrase it. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's really nice, especially because that was the concern with kid coming in because his Milwaukee teams were too aggressive on the defensive end and they would get beat. I mean, his Milwaukee teams would give up the most shots at the room and the most uh, threes per game because they would trap and extend their defense so far out. And, you know, that works for a little bit, but NBA players, even, you know, backups, like <laughs> they're in the NBA for a reason. They can, they can make reads, you know, out of a double team when there's an open man. So that that kind of killed those Memphis, those Milwaukee teams a little bit. It feels like it's that, but just, you know, scaled back. Like they're just not trapping as much and they're just kind of showing and recovering. Um, I think the, the fact that they're not allowing open airspace even on long twos is really encouraging. I wrote that uh, like a couple of days ago after that Chicago win. Um, like you see them switch, but you don't see them necessarily kind of backpedal uh, and drop as much as they do. I mean, they still drop uh, because it's it's kind of hard to play NBA defense for 48 minutes unless you're kind of do you're mixing in some drop coverage. But yeah, I just I like that they seem to be keeping guys in front of them. I think the rotations are pretty good. Uh, they don't seem to have as many brain dead uh, defensive errors like they did uh, in the last two seasons. 
Um, I think, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. coming off the bench certainly helps with that and his role seemingly not uh, as big as it was the last couple of seasons because, I mean, he's he's kind of one of their catalysts for, for brain-dead defense. Um, and then Maxi looking healthy de- definitely helps. His block on, I think it was Brandon Clark, uh, I can't remember, in the second half, I think, uh, was really nice uh, defensive possession. And, and they... Morant, they just kind of swarm the way that they were able to swarm him and still get out to shooters was really nice. Because uh, you look at the Mavericks roster and you go, oh, they don't really have anyone that can guard Jaw. Because they, you know, Dorian's a good defender, Maxi's a good defender, Bullock's a good defender, but those guys aren't like point of attack, guard the speedster guard type defenders. So it was really a team effort uh, on Jaw. Uh, you know, a lot of rotations, a lot of doubles. Uh, and a lot of kind of trusting teammates type defense. And it was really impressive to see them pull it off. I mean, I just, I don't know. These late night games are such a drag for, for those of us who are grinding out coverage. I mean, they're fun to watch. Cause it's like, what like we're all going to be up, but it, it's just nice to see. And just, you know, they, they, they play four back to backs. So they roll into magic tomorrow night and, to get a win on the front end and then to go against the magic team, which is not very good. Like it's just nice because that, that Knicks loss was really demoralizing. It, it just, it was because they looked as bad as Memphis looked tonight. And, and it's, it's just, it feels good to get, you know, to, to, as they play like at least a more condensed brand of basketball. Um, it felt good to, to have something like this happen. I'm not really sure like what else I even want to talk about with this game. I wrote, I mean, I, I, sometimes I feel like I like talk about my recap a lot, but they, I really love when Brunson pushes the pace. They just have to get Luca to do that more. He's such a beast in transition. Like he's difficult to guard. I know he wants to control it and I get it, but man, just like they, they scored 23 fast break points tonight. <laughs> 23. The Mavericks are, are the 23rd in the league in fast break points. I know. And when you have, I mean, and especially when you have Brunson and Doncic on the floor at the same time, you think, oh, so that's, you know, they're playing two, their two best ball handlers at the same time. Like you would think that would lead to more runouts because, you know, re- there's more opportunities to get the ball into the hands of, you know, one of your, your two playmakers. So that, you know, you know, before when it's just Luca and, you know, if, there, if it was Tim Hardaway Jr. or someone else, it makes sense. Cause you know, you know, if Luca's not rebounding it, then someone's re- else is rebounding it, trying to find Luca. But with you know, Brunson had, but Brunson is not a bad rebounder for his size. I mean, Luca had twelve rebounds, Brunson had five. So think about all those opportunities where they're starting transition possessions uh, together, uh, and not always together. But you know, it just you, you would just kind of think, right? It just makes more sense. But mm-hmm. Luca likes to play slow. Um, you know, I think maybe the coach, some of the coaching staff might like to play slow too. They don't necessarily have all the athletes that you want to run out in the break. Um, but yeah, you know, this was a, a nice uh, change of pace. And Dorian did a really good job uh, running the floor tonight. I think he had like, I feel like he had like four fast break dunks or, or at least buckets. Uh, some really, really like his his yeah. stat line actually is kind of bleh. It's fine. He missed a whole bunch of threes, but right. he still felt so impactful. Like I jokingly, and you know, I love when people misunderstand my tweets. Where I jokingly tweeted and I said the going rate for Dorian Finney Smith is two first round picks. <laughs> just like like <laughs> he didn't even like statistically didn't even play that good of a game yet. Was probably the second most important Maverick. I don't know Brunson. It's like Brunson is so consistently effective. It's 
don't know. This is fun. Like this is this is just good stuff. I mean, what particularly makes this wild, and I don't know how to really assess this. And this goes back to like Is Talk's post about the defense several weeks ago. It's like this is just the same group of guys that played like crap defense for the several like the past several years. And I know you and I joke about this all the time, but like this is where I'm like, what was Jamal Mosley doing as defensive coordinator? And I know you say I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong about this. It's <laughs> like it's it's this is where it's like it's literally the same dudes, and, and the Mavericks couldn't have tried anything different. Like Porzingis isn't playing right now, and they're still playing great defense. He's missed eight games. I, I know, and I mean, yeah, Mosley's part of it, but I mean. I think we can all say that that's probably also how Carlisle liked to play defense because mm, they kind of play defense okay. the same way the entire Carlisle era. Obviously, you know, they've had different defensive coordinators that probably, you know, brought their own little styles and tweaks. But, uh, I mean, it was pretty clear the Mavericks in the Carlisle era favored, you know, the analytical approach of, hey, we want guys to shoot long twos and we want to limit threes and we want to limit rim shots. And they're still doing that this season, but, you know, how many times did we see in the last two or three years where they would be like, okay, we don't care if a guy shoots a long two, but and they would just like ignore him. And it's like, <laughs> guys, there's still NBA players. There's still, like, there's still things happening here. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it feels like they're just more attached than they were in the last couple of seasons. Um, obviously there, I think, and it's funny, like, I don't think their steal and block numbers are like dramatically higher. So I don't necessarily think it's just that. I think it's just that they're, they're a little bit – they're just a tad more aggressive in defending the pick and roll, and they're able to stay in front of guys right now. And I don't know. It's all working. I mean, there's obviously some three-point shot variance that's going to bite them in the ass. Uh, they've been pretty lucky with three-point – with opponent three-point shooting like the last three or four weeks. And we saw in that Knicks game, uh, when it goes bad, you know, you, you get beat. Um, but I feel like, you know, they can't really control that. I mean, you how many times have you said, like, three-point defense is not – a result right. of what you're doing it's it's real it's a lot of luck based factors so but there it feels like they're controlling the things that they can control which is a nice change of pace uh to the Mavericks defense that we felt was so passive and and uh lackluster these last couple of years yep well this has been fun we talked a lot about a fun game and people should enjoy themselves do you have anything else before we get out of here no, I think that you know it's. I think we saw some reports before that Kristaps uh, Porzingis will be back shortly. Uh, maybe not tomorrow, but you know maybe the OKC game, or he's going to at least clear protocols maybe by tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be very. I feel like that's like the last test, right? Like to see mm-hmm. if this is for real. Is how does the team integrate Kristaps back into it? Because obviously he's going to help defensively. Well, the same um, question was like, how are they going to integrate Luca back into things uh, right. offensively? And I think what we're seeing right now is that the over it's not, you know, Luke is obviously the, the linchpin for long-term success, but like the basic framework of what they have to do right now is more than just one player reliant, I guess. And so it's up to both Luca and Porzingis to figure it out. I mean, I know you've, not to jump on any of your post ideas, but there's a few things in the data that's been going on with Porzingis being out that is actually quite interesting. And I'm going to be interested to see if they do this to go to get his his touches back in it. And just like the way he's such an interesting player because when he works, he really, really, really works. And when he doesn't, it's like, oh no. <laughs> right. Like what, I mean, the main question is going to be, what is the, you know, the offense, which is steadily uh, on the uptick the last week or two what's that going to look like when you throw in Kristaps's uh you know 
six or seven post-up possessions per game that they're currently not doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. And you just wonder, you hope that they're able to find a way to make that work. And yeah, the Luca KP thing. I mean, it's not just KP. It's a Luca thing too. I mean, how many times have we seen like Luca look off KP when he's open? So those two, it's a, it's a two-way street both ways. Those two have to find a way to play efficient basketball together. And that's the next step when, when KP comes back. Yep. Okay, guys, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe, Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We will be back tomorrow night after the late home game against the Orlando Magic. I will be hosting a green room after this, which should go up around lunchtime on Saturday if you want something to listen to. Um, Please rate, uh, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. We appreciate the support. And check out MavsMoneyball.com where we have great continuing coverage. We will talk with everybody soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.